Welcome to Secrets True Crime, the Eric Cates and Gypsy story. I am your host, Amber Sitton. What is done in darkness will eventually come to light. That is the purpose of this podcast, to shine light on the story of Eric Cates, his beloved dog Gypsy, and the town of Empire, Alabama. Listener discretion is advised. The subject matter may involve violence, sexual content, murder, and adult themes. It is not suitable for younger listeners. This is episode 11 of a serial podcast, and they are designed to be listened to in order. In the last episode, you heard Toby describing how she was absolutely certain that the autopsy she was shown for Eric was not a complete autopsy. The pages of the autopsy were numbered, and there were pages missing as indicated by skipped numbers on the page numbering. Toby also noticed discrepancies noted, but there were things that weren't explained in detail, as she was used to seeing in the autopsies she reviewed at her former career with the Coleman County Sheriff's Office. In this episode, Toby will describe some of the happenings in even more detail and give you an update on these events. The first that we learned of the autopsy was from the DA. And when he talked to us back the latter part of 2015, Bill Adair informed us, Wayne, Chris and I, that the autopsy was um, undetermined. The only information that Bill Adair would give us at the time was that the autopsy was showing that Eric had soot in his lung. And when we asked for more information about what lung, was it both, bilateral, upper, lower, he could not answer anything else or would not at that point concerning the autopsy. I wanted to know when and who initially told Eric's family that the autopsy revealed the cause and manner of death as undetermined. Chuck Tidwell, the sheriff, and Darren Bridges, and the DA, all of them told me that it was undetermined. Not only me, but Eric's dad and his brother. In the last episode, You heard Sheriff Nick Smith talking about the cause of death being undetermined because Eric's body was burned. I want to replay a small piece of this because I think it's important. And I think because the body was burned, it's hard for them to determine the cause of death. Because, you know, there's rumors that he was shot. There were rumors he was stabbed. There was, it's hard for them to... It doesn't matter. You know. I mean, it does, but right. I mean, I don't think there's going to be doubt in the jury's mind. Well, the. Uh, more, another. But I mean, he was still breathing, though, when he was burned, so. Well, right. the, the investigator that investigated the case, and he hasn't said openly, but he thinks that because of the toxicology, that he thinks that Eric because he was three times the limit for methamphetamine that he overdosed and dropped a cigarette and caught himself on fire is what the investigator says. What investigator? The one that was investigating the case. Tidwell. 
So, but he don't work here anymore. So. Uh, he's state fire marshal now. Oh, good. That's good. That's, that's great. He sounds qualified for that. I'm glad I'm going to do it anymore. He dropped a cigarette and set himself on fire. And the dog. And the dog. Off a cigarette. Yeah. So, what they say? Um, yeah, I don't think Toby knows the toxicology results. It is, no, it is overdose level three times, and I haven't shared that with her. You know, I didn't know you could overdose on, on methamphetamine, but it is, when you get to those kind of levels, it's toxic. So he was at toxic level. So, and, and like I said, and it does make it hard if you take what the previous investigator says that they can't because there's only so much of the body they can't determine if he was shot, stabbed, what what the cause of death was. On January 21st, 2020, Investigator Cole attended a Crime Stoppers press conference announcing a $5,000 reward for Eric's case. You've heard and will hear again Toby mentioned this press conference. Investigator Cole was asked by a CBS 42 news reporter if foul play was suspected. Investigator Cole replied that the medical examiner was unable to determine the cause and manner of death. As you heard in the last episode, Toby was asked to come to the sheriff's office in January 2020 to see the autopsy. When Nick called me in, when Sheriff Smith called me in to go over the autopsy initially, Mike Cole, before I even looked at the autopsy, said that um, it was pretty much his opinion that Eric had uh, committed suicide or it was accidental. And I asked him, was that in the autopsy report? And he said no. The sheriff didn't say yay or nay to what Mike had said. And once they let me see the autopsy report, I could not believe that someone that has supposedly Mike Cole's experience would have came to the conclusion of that autopsy report that it was an accident or suicide because there were two other things that stood out in my mind besides the suet in the lung, uh, very questionable things. And none of it was really described in the report. Notations was, were made, like a one-sentence notation of a discrepancy that was found, but there was no elaboration on it. And I asked Mike about that. You know, how could you reach that conclusion with this and he replied that based on what he knew of the case and what he had seen which he had already admitted to me prior to saying this when I first got there that he had not had time to look at the case again that he had only went through bits and pieces that that was his conclusion autopsy led him to believe that it was um, accidental or suicide When I met with the sheriff and Mike Cole on January the 29th and saw what they were trying to tell me was a completed autopsy, again, I refused to accept that. 
And I want you to know, Amber, that I was not yelling, screaming. I was acting very calm, I thought, but I was determined to hopefully have Sheriff Smith to understand that what I was looking at in no way in my mind could suffice as a completed autopsy. And you have to understand that the sheriff had me in his office and Mike Cole saying very complete different things. You know, Mike Cole was adamant that it was a completed autopsy. And we went back and forth with those remarks several times. Him claiming it was, me saying it wasn't. Finally, I said, Sheriff, please just request a completed autopsy and we can get to the bottom of this. After I had asked Nick Smith to please just ask for a completed autopsy, uh, he looked at Mike and he said, Mike, find out what you need to do to request a completed autopsy. Get with the DA's office and see what they say. Toby waited 11 days, but she hadn't heard from anyone regarding her request to the sheriff's office that they contact Alabama Department of Forensics for a completed copy of the original autopsy. She called Investigator Cole. I heard this last call that she had with him. He was impatient, condescending, and at times, downright rude. I hadn't heard anything. And so I called Mike Cole. There was no answer. I waited till later in the day, and I sent him a text asking had he heard anything about the autopsy. I didn't get a reply. And so I text Sheriff Smith, and I asked him had he heard anything about the completed autopsy. A few minutes after receiving a message, Mike Cole called me, and he was um, very upset. He was um, almost to the point of yelling at me over the phone. How dare you call my supervisor and tell him that I'm not returning your calls. I told you that that was the final report, final autopsy. We went on for a little bit, and I just told Mike, I said, it's not a completed autopsy. I was under the impression that you were going to call the DA and find out what you could do to get a completed autopsy. And he, again, emphasized that that was the complete autopsy. He didn't understand why I couldn't accept that. At the end of the conversation, Toby was fighting tears as she practically begged him to call the Alabama Department of Forensic Science and request that they resend him a new copy of the original autopsy. At one point, Mike Cole was just exasperated with me, and he told me that he had talked with the DA's office and that was a complete autopsy, and that if I wanted anything else, that I would have to do it myself. I'd have to get it myself. And that if I wanted to exhume Eric's body to have another autopsy report, that it would be at my cost. That he had done everything that he could. He pretty much told me that he was through, that anything else was left up to me. The following morning, I got a call from Susie in the DA's office. She assured me that that was, in fact, the um, autopsy for Eric. It was the same one that Mike Cole had, and that um, she couldn't understand either 
what my problem was. And I explained it to her. And once we finished our conversation, she told me that she couldn't help me anymore, that I would have to call the forensic department and talk to them. She gave me the number for the Auburn office, and I did. And I think it was the next week when they finally called back and um, explained to me what the DA would have to do. The DA's office would have to request on their letterhead through an email that I provided to the DA's office uh, the request to open it back up and to send the completed case file autopsy for Eric Cates to them. I got a call from Nick Smith on February the 25th. He asked me if I could come in to see him. I said I could. I asked him, was there anything wrong? He said, uh, you were right. He said, I, I will have a 31-page autopsy report on Eric. And it says some things in there. And um, one of the things that I've been told that it says is homicide. And so I made an appointment to see him on February the 28th at 10 a.m. He said I could uh, come and look at it. I couldn't have a copy of it, but that he was going to let me um, see it. Yes, you heard that right. Toby was right. Five years after the murder of Eric and Gypsy, a 31-page autopsy has been found after Toby faced rudeness and ridicule for insisting what she knew to be a fact. That little six-page document with missing numbered pages and no descriptions, locations, measurements, and explanations of irregularities in those pages they showed her was not a complete autopsy. I asked Toby how she felt after Sheriff Smith shared this news with her. It took me by surprise, yes. I had not heard back from the DA's office, and I had left it that um, she would be talking to the DA to see if she could, in fact, send the request. It had been several days. So, yes, I was surprised that Nick called, and the six-page autopsy had grown to 31 pages. It even shocked me even more when he he said that the autopsy did say homicide because no one had told me that before. And when you have a cold case investigator proclaiming that his decision is suicide or accidental, and for the sheriff to say again in that autopsy after finally getting a completed autopsy that it said a homicide was a relief in one way but it was also another defeat in another way. And what I mean by that is I shouldn't have to be or no one should have to be fighting like this to get information. I went through so much just trying to get to see an autopsy. And the condescending way that Mike Cole treated me when I refused to accept what he was trying to cram down me from this case, 
And you shouldn't have to be like this. Now the question is, where has this autopsy been all of these years? We've been repeatedly told that the Underwood and Smith administrations were both working so hard on investigating this case. Wouldn't the autopsy be one of the most important pieces of an investigation? One of the centerpieces of the investigation? Are we all to believe that the Alabama Department of Forensics sent only a few pages of the autopsy to the district attorney, the county coroner, and the sheriff's office? And let's not forget about the Alabama State Fire Marshal, Philip Freeman, too. He was also supposed to be investigating this case. Why didn't someone, out of all those people who should have been looking at this document, notice like Toby did, that there were missing pages? None of this makes sense. It defies all logic. Are we really supposed to believe that for all these years, all these people at four different government agencies had been investigating a murder with an incomplete and inaccurate autopsy? And here's the biggest question of all. Why were the offices of the sheriff, the district attorney, and the coroner telling the public and Eric's family that his death was undetermined when the autopsy determined the manner of death as homicide? While the true autopsy and the true manner of death are buried somewhere, the investigators assigned to this case are running around telling people, even people in the general public, that Eric's death was either a suicide or an accident, and that his mom knew it and that she just couldn't accept it. What has been done to Eric's family following his murder by all of these people is a travesty. And now a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Best Fiends. While true crime is my passion, sometimes I need to decompress from the stress of my day. That's how I found my favorite game. Best Fiends is a unique and exciting puzzle experience unlike other puzzle games out there. While Best Fiends has challenging puzzles, it's a casual game that anyone can play, but it's made for adults. Best Fiends updates the game monthly with new levels and events so it never gets old. I've been playing it for five years now, and I'm on level 1035, and I have collected 29 of the cutest characters you've ever seen that I strategically use to help solve the puzzles. And the best part? You don't need internet to play. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me. With over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Okay, back to the episode. Toby called the sheriff's office and scheduled the appointment for Friday, February 28th, as she was asked to. But on the day before her appointment, the last episode of the podcast was released to the public. I'm sure you all recall that there was some professional criticism of the sheriff and investigator Cole. Thursday, February the 27th at 10.22 a.m., I received a text message from Nick Smith 
and it says, I will not meet with you on Eric's case. Uh, he told me that I could deal with an outside source to um, get anything I needed on Eric's case. The text says, after the podcast, blast the sheriff's office and myself after I've done everything I told you I would do. Really don't understand bashing an administration that has tried to help. And so I text him back. Uh, I ask him to be specific on how he was being bashed. And uh, he texted back that Mike is the one who has been working and is the one who has gotten the report. He's referring to the autopsy and he's referring to Mike Cole. He also says in there that bashing people who are trying to help doesn't help anyone. He also says that he took, talking about Mike Cole, he took what you said and followed up on it. So you can thank Mike for obtaining that report. As long as the podcast is involved, I'm not meeting to have words turned around so they can get more views. He also said that the podcast would only hinder investigations. And he said, I have no problem with you seeing the report. I'm just not having any more conversations about case or opinions for words to be twisted. He called me between 2.15 and 2.30 on Thursday afternoon and um, told me that um, he had changed his mind, that I could come in and uh, he would put me in a room and let me see the autopsy report, but that he was not going to talk to me. Uh, He was not going to answer any questions and that nobody would talk to me. At that point, I tried again to get him to tell me specifics of how I was bashing him because he not only accused the podcast of bashing him, he was accusing me of bashing him on Facebook post and on the podcast. I asked him to tell me specifically what I had said on, in the um, post on Facebook that would make him think I was bashing him. And he couldn't. And after continuing to ask him to give me an example of what he was accusing me of, he finally admitted that he had not seen any of them, that Mike Cole had told him what I was doing and what I was saying. And after that conversation, it got a little um, heated on my part. I explained to him that um, I did not feel like that I owed Mike Cole an apology for um, asking repeatedly for him to do something that a cold case investigator or really any investigator would have already done. And he said that Mike Cole is the one that got him the autopsy report. And he may be, but it was only after I called Auburn and got information on how this needed to be received through the DA's office. I was very adamant about the things that had happened with Mike Cole, not calling me when he was hired for cold case investigator, 
Uh, he never talked to me. He never initiated the first conversation with me about Eric. And then in the January meeting where he had not followed up with the SBI about my son's case, I felt that was disturbing. And then again, when he admitted that he had not even had a chance to look at Eric's case, but then he went on to give a interview with Crime Stoppers, uh, stating that he had video surveillance showing that Eric was the only vehicle in his truck that went in at that time on the um, Friday. And so when I asked him to clarify that for me, to give me a time that he looked at that video surveillance, uh, and he couldn't. In fact, he admitted to me that he had not looked at the video, that he had just taken it from a statement that was made by a previous investigator, which was Chuck Tidwell. And he is the same one that Nick Smith has told me that there was several emails from Underwood requesting that Chuck Tidwell follow up on things that he had already been asked to do but hadn't. And I find that very confusing when it's also the same investigator, Chuck Tidwell, that Nick Smith asked to get some information and to give the SBI a copy of Eric's file that never happened. And yet he wants to take a statement that this investigator has made without verifying this statement, without verifying if in fact the video is there. Because I have had more than one person to tell me that a lot of evidence from Eric's case is missing. And for him not to verify that as a cold case investigator, I don't know what all they all do. I've never been a cold case investigator, but I would think that just your basic following through with your information and wanting to verify certain things at least have the chance to go through the case file before you started giving out information, especially whenever you're saying that it is a autopsy and it shows suicide or accidental, but yet he hasn't looked at the case file. And nowhere in the autopsy that I looked at that Mike Cole said he had looked at would I have even thought that it would insinuate an accidental or a suicide. So, yes, I have uh, no confidence whatsoever in Mike Cole even working or even looking at Eric Cates and Gypsy's murder. In the phone conversation that we were having that Thursday afternoon, uh, again, Nick Smith was very upset with what had transpired through the day, what he had been told had been posted on Facebook and in the podcast. But yet again, he had not listened. He admitted to me that he had not listened to the podcast. He didn't have time for those things. And he had not seen the post on Facebook. He was going by what he had been told. And so he told me that he had done everything he had told me he would do. And that included, you know, getting the SBI to look at the case. And I admitted, yes, you did call them in. They did come and meet with you. You did ask them to assist with this case. In fact, you tried to get them to take it, but that's not what they do. They assist. 
And I said, and from that February meeting, you ask someone that you knew had not been following your orders or the prior sheriff's orders, but yet you trusted him to give SBI a copy of the case that he had worked on with Eric and Gypsy. But yet you didn't follow up from February until you hired the cold case investigator. You nor anyone in your department followed up. And then you hire the cold case investigator and he doesn't call and say, hey, I've been hired by Sheriff Smith to be the cold case investigator. I'm going to be looking into Eric and Gypsy's case. I'm here if you need me. Let me know where we stand. Can I help in any way? What do we need to do? That call was never initiated. And come January the 3rd, when I found out about it, about the confusion of who was working the case and who wasn't and who had the case file and who didn't, I told Nick, I said, you know I was concerned because I met with you in January the week after I found that out on the 3rd. And I said, and yes, you did call in Crime Stoppers after I had asked more than once for them to be called. And I said, and then you have someone that has not even looked at Eric's case do the ad for them, the clip for Eric's case, who gets up there and says something that I haven't heard in the four and a half years that I've been trying to get information. And I don't think that piece of information would have been something that I wouldn't have had. In fact, if Mike Cole had have took the information that I have gathered and that the podcast has gathered, he would have known that that would have raised flags with me and with others, but yet he did not bother to do that either. And the deal about the autopsy, I told Nick, I said, Nick, you're wanting me to apologize to Mike Cole for doing something that should have already been done. I shouldn't have had to have sat in that office with you and Mike in there, Mike adamantly telling me that what I was being shown was the autopsy, the same autopsy report that the DA's office had and that I needed to accept it because that's what it was. And because I was adamant in saying to you and to Mike that I did not feel like that this was a completed autopsy and that I would hope that you would request it as soon as possible. And I said, after I had to make calls to find out what the problem was, then all of a sudden you get an autopsy report that went from six pages that Mike Cole adamantly told me was it. And I needed to accept the fact and move on. But yet you call me just a couple of days ago and tell me that you now have a 31-page report and that I can come in and see it. And it is telling you that there is a statement there that says that it was a homicide and you want me to apologize to Mike Cole. I said, it ain't happening. And he was adamant that 
Mike Cole had worked extensively on this case and that um, he was through talking to me about it and that I would have to get my questions answered by another source. Sheriff Smith commented on a social media post with a response to the last podcast. Most of it is what we've all come to expect from a politician, and it isn't worthy of a response. But there is one thing that must be addressed. Sheriff Smith stated in two different points that Toby's dislike of Investigator Cole is personal. No, sir, Sheriff Smith. It is strictly related to his actions as the cold case investigator at the Walker County Sheriff's Office. She has absolutely no personal relationship with Mike Cole, and I think she's laid out numerous valid points and causes for concern. The sheriff told her she needed to thank Investigator Cole for getting her the completed autopsy. That was his response to Toby after a 31-page autopsy was magically discovered five years later, when it was Toby herself who was adamantly insisting that they obtain another copy from DFS. She needs to thank them. There's something very wrong here. There's no apology. There's no shame. There's no embarrassment. There's no remorse. There's no explanation on how three, and most likely four, different government agencies had the wrong or incomplete autopsy for five years on a murder investigation. Instead, the sheriff is playing the victim and Toby is shamed and attacked for publicly telling her and Eric's story. The sheriff and the investigator actually have the audacity to expect her to thank them and give them kudos for finally doing one very small piece of their job five years later, once she forced their hand. After initially telling Toby he was no longer going to allow her to see the autopsy, Sheriff Smith did call and say that she could come in, but he did let her know that he nor anyone else there would speak to her. He did have one more stipulation for her visit to his office, though. The first time that I got to see the autopsy report, he informed me that it would only be from me, that I could not make a copy of it, and that I took it that it was just for family, immediate family. So when he called and told me that he had the new one, the 31-page report, and that he should have it in a couple of days for me to come in on Friday, there was no mention of anything except that I couldn't make a copy and I couldn't tell anybody what it said. At that point, when we were talking on Thursday, he told me that Amber, with the podcast, could not come into his office that she had to stay in the lobby and that she was not to come any further, that he no longer wanted her at the sheriff's office. She was not allowed to be in his office. Well, that kind of took me as surprise because I had not talked to Amber about coming with me to see the autopsy. And I made that point to him. 
I didn't understand why he was telling me that because I had never thought about asking you to come because of our previous conversation. He had told me that I was the only one that could see it at the time. After all these years of desperately wanting to see her son's autopsy, Toby made the hard decision not to go to the sheriff's office on that Friday. I asked her why. Uh, After I finished talking to um, Nick Smith, which was around three or so in the afternoon, going by what the accusations that Nick Smith had accused me of bashing him on Facebook after I had sent him a copy of the post that I had made the previous day, uh, taken up for him in the sheriff's office and reflecting on my prior meetings with the sheriff and with Mike Cole. At this point, I just didn't feel like that I could take anymore. I was afraid that if I went and I did see either one of them after reading a 31-page autopsy report that I had to continually beg for, and after being let down so many times, I just felt it was best that I didn't go. As the sheriff had told me, I could get my information from another source. He didn't want to talk to me about it. So what was the use of going and seeing? I've waited four and a half years another week or so wouldn't matter to me, especially after he had already told me that the autopsy report said homicide. That's what I wanted to know. I know the cause is undetermined, but just hearing the word homicide took a weight off of me. That one word answered a lot of my questions. So even though I was desperate to see what was in it. I just felt that it was best that I not see it through them. Now that the real autopsy and manner of Eric's death have been discovered, we sure hope that Sheriff Smith can put these rumors and theories that have now been proven to be unfounded to rest. And let's just hope that a real investigation into the murder of Eric and Gypsy can bring this family the justice they all deserve. If you have any information that could help in solving the murders of Eric and Gypsy or the mysterious death of Randy Hicks, please email me at secretstruecrime at gmail.com or call our confidential tip line at 205-282-0740. Michael and I will ensure that all information gets to the right place right away. If you are left wanting even more content, please check us out on Patreon. We have filled it with great information about Susan and Evan and Eric and Gypsy. This podcast is an independent podcast. That means that everything that goes into making this podcast is done and funded by me. All of the investigative tools and resources are provided by Echo 7 Foxtrot. The tragedies we highlight and investigate have had a tremendous impact on the victims, loved ones, and friends. We don't burden them with additional expenses to cover their cases. We donate our time and talents because we want to help and hope that they can find the answers they need 
that are so long overdue. For as little as $5 per month, you can receive exclusive access to members-only photos, videos, early access to episodes, and much, much more. By becoming a patron, you too are helping us help these families. Your support as a patron of Secrets True Crime Podcast helps us cover the expenses associated with producing a high-quality podcast, traveling to conduct field work and interviews, and obtaining the tools and equipment needed to conduct a thorough investigation. In short, your support as a patron allows us to do more for these families. Become a patron of Secrets True Crime Podcast today, and let's solve these cases together. Patreon.com slash Secrets Crime. I'll also post the link on our Facebook page. If you are enjoying the podcast, be sure to follow or subscribe in your podcast player of choice and by giving us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcast. I'm active on social media and often share photos of Eric and Gypsy. Follow Secrets True Crime on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Secrets Crime. The audio production for this podcast is by Kane Power at precisionpodcasting.com. Thank you.